Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I'm your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. So welcome to episode 21 of the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast, a podcast about craft beverages. I know, we're officially legal drinking age. Um, So I'm here at Diamondback Brewing. I am with uh, co-founder Colin Marshall. And Zach, remind me your last name? Kaiser. Zach Kaiser, who does... the potato roll. Oh, that's awesome. Who does uh, marketing and sales. So thank you guys for having me um, at your beautiful Locust Point Brewery. if you guys don't know, just look for the giant smokestack when you're driving Easier down Fort Avenue. Right <laughs> yeah. I'm sure a lot of people get confused coming <clears throat> yeah. in here, but once you find it, it's a, it's a great spot. Um, so if you, we just want to start at the beginning, I know you guys have been thinking about this space since 2016, but Colin, you guys started the idea for Diamondback, what, back in 2014? Yeah. I mean, it's the idea was brewing since 2011, um, but in... 2013 is where when we really started acting on some legal and financial um, and pushing the boundaries on those. Um, so we were legal in late 13, and then we were fully operational by 14. Okay. Not in this facility like you just right. hinted to. Right. Um, but we did use other facilities to produce our own liquid and then sell in the market as well. So those facilities were down in um, Eastern Maryland at Eastern Shore Brewing, and then they were down in Beltway, um, was it Sterling? Yeah. Sterling, Virginia at Beltway Brewing Company. So awesome. uh, that's definitely part of this industry nowadays is if you don't have enough financial backing to get your brewery started, you kind of look elsewhere. Well, we want to do something. We want to produce liquid. How do we do it? Right. I've got to start somebody, somewhere. Yeah, you find somebody else who is either their business is, is to brew beer for other people and not have their own private labels or find somebody who has uh, excess capacity. Yeah, and, and see if they want to do some 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 work with you. Contract brewing is so important and should not go away. Yeah. Um, so and it's funny, and I was maybe guilty of this too. I feel like you guys were sort of marketed as like they started in their dorm room and then whatever, which wasn't even entirely true. It was like I, I just feel like every article I first started reading about you guys was like from college to now. Um, yeah. So, but you guys didn't even all go to college at the same place, and so that was kind of a half truth. Everybody loves the Ben and Jerry story, yeah, <laughs> or the Microsoft story, you right? Know? Like, and your we don't plan on being large corporations like that, even though both of them are great for for ice cream and great for computers. Yeah. Um, but I think it was more about a spirit of. Uh, we always love to tinker with things and we love to be able to experiment and we love to um, mess up and figure out how to do it better the next time. Right. And I think that's really where it came from. So while Tom and Francis did start in a house at the University of Maryland on a stovetop, boiling <laughs> uh, and mashing and making wort and screwing it up and dumping it out and having their friends try it, um, the next level really kind of started inside of our garage it That's did cool. i mean honestly yeah I mean, it really was it was like okay we need a big space it's outdoor summertime what are we going to do we can't do this inside you literally have a direct fire propane burning underneath of a of a turkey cooker making beer yeah um, you needed the garage so yeah oh my god was. be careful that just makes me nervous hearing about that <laughs> yeah, it sounds cliche but see but you know people gotta start somewhere and that's where you learn yeah 
how did so and maybe Zach you could speak to sort of where it is now like how did your concept as far as like what you wanted the brand to feel like and represent sort of start out versus where you guys are now and how you're sort of marketing yourselves a little bit differently I think Zach I mean I'll, I'll jump in and then you can talk yeah. a little bit about it but I, I think Zach has helped us tremendously um, in forming our brand it's it's always like you know who you want to be, but you're not exactly sure how to express it. Right. And then you have somebody who, who sees what you want to be, and they really kind of force the right words out of you, mm-hmm. and then portraying them on the website and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and blogs and whatever else it might be to market yourself. Um, I think right now, currently, April 10th, <laughs> we are the most sound and comfortable being who we are right now. Yeah. We're working towards being who we really want to be. And I think that's always a work in progress. But back in 2014, when Zach wasn't around, it was just the three of us. Uh, one, it's not who we are now. And two, it was never who we wanted to be necessarily. So you always kind of figure that out along the way, Yeah, I would say. But I mean, more to like who we are now. And Yeah, I mean, I think we talk about this all the time as a group um, that we've kind of gone through the stage of figuring out who we are and now we've grown up a little bit like entered left that teenage stage where we're like hmm. you know in high school still learning who we are what we're doing what we're good at you know where we'd like to go and now we're entering the stage at which we are working on what we want to be yeah. um, which is I think really exciting to be able yeah. to finally get to kind of pursue or make goals and then just you know attack them yeah sounds like at every stage you go through in any 20 year old's yeah, life right? from teenager <laughs> to 20 on you're like oh not doing that again or well, you feel like you have a sturdy backbone to stand on yeah um you don't feel like you're very swayed by market forces or trends and you're really like this is who we are and we know that we can be a force and we know we have a good base to build upward mm-hmm. it's not like well who we are is not going to be accepted or, or the liquid's not going to be drank by anybody Right. It's just more about it's who we are and we aren't just kind of fitting into what what sells nowadays. Yeah. And it to me it's like the symbolism behind your logos. I mean you started out with sort of these these turtle shells and, and the diamond back and it um, and it was awesome because it had that Maryland recognition and I think, you know, I'm a Terps alum and I've lived here all my life and, and that was attractive to me, but it's been cool to see, you know, your your work with Gila Press and, and all of that stuff um, sort of evolve and modernize yeah. and um, I'm sure that's all very intentional, but it's been It is, cool. it is. And when you're 22, 23 and you start a company and you don't have any prior branding experience at all. Right. Um, you kind of start to ask yourself after you've been in it for about a year, you're like, does this fit? Is this, is this really <laughs> what we want it to be when we build our own brewery? Is this what we want all over everything? Um, and yeah, you're right. Luckily we have um, Kat and Natalie and the other forces over at Gila Press to help us out. And Gila has helped a lot of companies in Baltimore. Um, they have a great niche um, for helping beverage brands out. Yeah, um, they do a lot of really good design work. That. They do. Um, and I think one of the biggest things, along with what you're asking Zach as well, is like when you're building a brand, whether it's the copy that comes out of it or it's the actual physical representation of the logo, there's a lot of conversation that happens before you actually see finished product right. or even rough draft product it's more about just like hey let's uh you know have some beers and some and some dinner and just chat you yeah know? keep it very casual um or just spur the moment conversations around here hey what do you think about this topic what do you think about that topic and like really being able to just discuss how you feel about something and then zach will take it away from there and he'll say you know i, I really think this is the way we should go with x 
because you said right. know, A, B, and C. Right, right. Um, and uh, it's helped a lot. So it just happens organically yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, It feels good that way, too. Yeah. I feel forced, you know? And how did... So I wanted to ask about the, the process of contract brewing and sort of the limitations therein. And, and obviously, it probably taught you so much, too. Yeah. Um, and then how did that... How did getting your own permanent space sort of translate into maybe more improved marketing or knowing, finding out who you guys really are? Like, yeah. how did that transition work? <sighs> I don't know. I mean... That was a lot of I mean, I know, how it, yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know how it worked for us. I, re- I really do. Um, I bite my tongue when I say, like, I don't advise anybody to do it because mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt other companies. But I just know how fragile the state of the beer industry is um, with customers being able to identify with a brand. Like, it means so much for a customer to walk in and be like, I'm drinking where it's brewed. Yes. Not, I'm picking a six-pack up off the shelf and... This beer is brewed in Virginia. I think that's you know? why craft brewing has exploded. It's because of that one-on-one experience. Yeah. yeah. It's, we talked about it um, a few weeks ago with, with some people that it's not about coming in here and, you know, having 10 beers. That's, you know, it's cool if you do. <laughs> hope you're not driving. Good for you. Take your keys away from you. <laughs> yeah. But it's more of an experience. It's like, what other manufacturing industry can you go to and walk in hang out with your friends, watch a game, or talk to your bartenders about the product and have the brewmaster floating around just talking about beer. Right. Um, It's an experience, much more so. But I think on the contract brewing end, I don't know if Nishemini or anybody else did it that you worked for before, but the contract end of things, um, it's expensive. And you're most likely losing money unless you're brewing high volumes of it. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Right. Which was never what you guys wanted to do anyway. Right? No. I yeah. mean, we started out at Eastern Shore Brewing Company with Ace and with Zach um, down there brewing between 7 and 15 barrels a month. Um, actually, 15 and 30 barrels a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was getting on tap in places. They liked the new name. They liked the easy drinking style. But when we had to jump from eastern shore down to beltway brewing in sterling virginia you went from brewing anywhere from 15 to 30 barrels a month to brewing 60 to 90 barrels per batch it's a big difference yeah yeah and they're charging you storage fees um not to mention you have no idea um you're not watching your cellar on your fermentation for temperatures right um, quality control quality control yeah Correct. so there, there's a lot to watch in between so I don't know if I was to do it all over again, I would never contract brew. Right. But I'm not going to tell somebody you shouldn't do that because there's a lot at play with the law right now. And then there's yeah. also, um, we want breweries. We want new liquid in this, in this state. And we want to be able to drive competition through innovation. And if you think you have a good product, but not enough money to build your own space, then find somebody who's going to brew it for you. Totally. You know? Do that with. incubator kind of style. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so talk about finding this building and this space and sort of how difficult was it to find a space in the city and, and what priorities yeah. um, went into the selection process. Well, you need money. Yeah. Um, and then we, Francis is our engineer, so he was engineering the actual system itself. Um, myself, as a role in this company, is a lot more forward-facing. Mm-hmm. Just relationships and sales and marketing and getting to know people, whether that relationship actually becomes something or not. And this space came about very organically. We were at a startup soiree 
I met huh. Chris DeLuca. Chris DeLuca owns a um, construction company for like medium-sized businesses. Okay. He does like a lot more with like general contracting with banks and everything. Gotcha. Um, he knew Mark Saperstein, who's a landlord here of 28 Walker. And he just introduced us to him and said, I think they might have something for you. Um, and let us take it from there. And this was the last space of McHenry Row 2. So McHenry Row 1 is Harris Teeter, Apartments, Rev Cycle, Dogma, all the places over there. Number two is Under Armour, Mindgrub, Maeve, Gilbane over here. Gotcha. And this is the last space he needed to fill out. Um, and we just came to him and said, this is what we need done to the space. And he said, I think a brewery could be a huge attraction to not only this side of the city, but also what he's trying to build here in the old Phillips processing plant. And that community-minded aspect with, you know, I know Mindgrub has the share kitchen and it all seems to, to flow really well. It does. Um, again, I mean, it, it, like this business and its branding, there's a lot of stuff still evolving and you're like, oh, that didn't work. We got to, let's reinstitute this or let's let's find a new way to, to make this work. Yeah. Um, and we're constantly, uh, you know, with the new patio open up. Mm, um, it looks awesome. We're trying and to. the deck up top. I. It's not ours, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Well, it looks cool. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> Adam Banesh of Union is a huge uh, uh, rooftop deck guy, mm-hmm. and um, I think he looked into it at one point, and he um, has to be ADA accessible, so you have to put in elevators. Gotcha. And, um, I would love for that to be ours, but it's Comcast. Yeah. So uh, with the evolution of this space, it's really become something that we never really thought that we would have, um, but we're super pleased with where it's, where it's gone to, thanks to everybody involved. And you didn't mind having a giant smokestack in the middle of the room, which is some businesses might, you know. Might I mean, if anything, I feel like that uh, just helps, you know, remind you that this is a manufacturing operation. Totally. It brings you back to the right. whole history of brewing in general. Um, can't forget about where this all started. I mean, people have been doing this for a long time. Exactly. I still think the best, the best compliment and comment that you get when people walk in, they go, is the stack on the inside the same one that you can see from the outside? <laughs> They're like, no, separate. Like, do you need another beer or should I cut you off? I'm not really sure right now. It's a zigzag, actually. Um, yeah. No, no it, but it, it really does have that manufacturing feel. It's so cool that it used to be Phillips. Yeah. I mean, it's such a full circle kind of story. Yeah, it really yeah. is. And the fact that, you know, one Baltimore company took over another previous Baltimore company's space, right. but also manufacturing to manufacturing. So I'm pleased about that. And something else that makes you guys unique is the self-distribution. Um, so talk about the decision to do that. I'm, I know it's, I'm sure it's provided more headaches than it hasn't in some ways, but why was that important to you to, to self-distribute and, and what has yeah. that done for your company? I'll open it up a little bit and then I'll... Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, self-distribution, it doesn't feel like a headache, to be honest. I mean, I think it's a lot of work, a lot of focus, a lot of dedication. It doesn't stop. Right. It doesn't, it's not, we brew the beer, a truck comes, picks it up and it's over. It's, you know, we've got to make sure that, you know, the kegs get there, the shells get picked up. Um, and it's a continuous, you see it through the whole, yeah. Um, and I think, I think it's a huge part of kind of what we've discovered as a brand is important to us, which is culture, quality, and, um, just, you know, making sure that we have really strong relationships from, you know, the bartender to us, to the manager to us, to the customer through the manager to us. So um, I think it's just, it's a, one of the key cogs in kind of becoming who we want to become. I think that that's something that, you know, from, you know, getting our own space it really allowed us to kind of figure out and do. Yeah. Um, Did you say key cogs? Key cogs. Yeah. Like cost of goods sold? 
No. Oh. No, like a cog <laughs> in a factory. <laughs> oh, all right. I got you. I like that. All yeah. right. We could go either way, Key though. cogs. Yeah, yeah I actually key, could. Key cogs. Yeah. It's kind of a double entendre a little bit. That's what you meant, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was meaning. like, damn, I'm impressed, man. <laughs> um, I, I don't think – I think this is something that a lot of people who drank our beer now don't know about us before, but we struggled for a long time on the distribution end. Um, we met with Legends twice to no avail – which I thank Tershman and Aaron and everybody else out there for, for not picking us up in the first place because I don't think we would be who we are now if we were with them, which is not a knock to them at all. But right. um, we were self-distributing when we first started the company. So when we brewed at Eastern Shore Brewing and we brewed at Beltway down in Sterling, we would bring our product back up. We had a warehouse or we, have a, we had a cold room. We stored everything and we sold everything um, and then distributed it out of my Tacoma. And then we got picked up by Republic National, who distributes a ton of liquor. Yeah. They're currently involved in that merger with Breakthrough. Right. And they also distribute Heavy Seas. And that's like their major beer brand they have. I think they might have a few others. Um, we, also interesting to this as well. Anybody who's listening, and I think you'd be interested in hearing this too. So part of the reform on tap was mm-hmm. getting rid of franchise laws. Well, when we came into RNDC, they said to us, look, handshake agreement, nothing on paper, um, we'll make it legal. Um, if it doesn't work out, we'll throw our hands up in the air and you guys can leave. And after about a year, we saw what this space was going to bring to us. Right. And we just decided to, to cancel that distribution with them. Just and annoyed. we got a uh, letter from the state, letter from us, letter from, from RNDC and walked away from it. And that was the point in which we started to self-distro again. Zach was slinging out of his Accord. I had the Tacoma <laughs> still. Um, and it wasn't until this past August of 2017 that um, we purchased a van and hired a driver. Um, so we created a, uh, a job and um, focused us more towards sales and marketing. Um, and now our job is to um, allocate correct batches. So we're brewing on a small enough size now that we can allocate those batches where each keg is going. Right. Um, and then um, make the sale to the bar and then direct the invoices into our brewery software. And then Hub comes in in the morning, prints out the invoices, loads up the van, and he's out of here. The van looks cool, too. I, I, it's got a good yeah. like logo on the side. It's it's nice, it's nice free advertising yeah, as well. It but, is. but it's still all under your control, which it must is. be really nice. And I think an argument nowadays for distributors is that like, all right, cool, we'll let you guys get to 3,000 barrels and see how well you're managing it. But look at what Night Shift is doing up in Massachusetts. Hill Farmstead in Vermont has their own distro brand with a couple other um, brands underneath of their name. So like an advantage to a self-distribution company that has a separate LLC from the actual brewery itself is that they can say, hey, Finback from from New York is not distributed in Maryland and it, they have a huge demand for their product. Let's, uh, let's sign them to a temporary. Yeah. Or let's bring them down here and get some kegs in the market. A lot less red tape to go Possibility, through. Possibility, <laughs> man. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying. I'm not saying just Finback, but I'm just using that as an example. Right, right. Um, it's, it's a huge possibility and it's so fun to think about what we can do with our business because it's not just like we need to make money and get kegs out and get kegs in it's more about just like oh man like let's have fun with people and let's have fun with brands and let's have fun with beer and 
that's what we're doing right yeah, now. Yeah, and if you with align this. with someone and they want to be in Baltimore, like have a conversation and yep. see where it goes. Hey, you want to do something at Max's for, you want to do something at Alewife? Yeah. If you guys want to go to DC, like, yeah. no one make that happen for you. That's awesome. That's a great idea. Um, so what would you, we have some um, samples that you guys have poured. Yeah. What would you describe as sort of your core beer lineup or what do you say when people ask you that when you're out at the, the bars? So we have, we have two uh, year-round beers right now, which is just Omar and Green Machine. We, we, are, we don't want to be a brewery that has one brand. Um, we don't want to be described as one beer. We don't want to be you know, described by multiple beers. Um, kind of what we figured out, and this is also a part of this whole space and brand building, is that we want to have a diversified portfolio and make sure that we are trying new things because it's interesting to us. Um, you know, we're, we've kind of taken on this, this slogan of slow beer in a sort of um, way or true, true beer. True brew. Yeah, and we're trying to like, you know, kind of make sure that we can push, you know, different styles and also learn ourselves and just move a little slower. We don't need to, you know, keep pushing out certain styles that people really, really want necessarily. Um, we obviously are going to always be brewing the IPAs that everyone's really coveting today, but we also want to introduce people to new styles that right. they never even tried or never might have never had before. And the size of your brew house lets you do those one-offs and kind of be a little bit more experimental, right? right? very agile in the, in the fact that we can kind of do a small batch and um, some of it stays in the tap room, some of it leaves, but it's, it's not too much. Um, yeah. There's always kind of space to do something new. So we do lead with two more hop-forward beers, but we know that that's what's selling two, three to one in the market right now. Um, so Green Machine is our um, unfiltered IPA, uh, dry hopped with Citra and Ella, um, a little bit more citrusy. Um, and then Omar, which is our second year round, is a uh, pale ale that is a little bit more round. I think it has a lot more um, body to it. Mm -hmm. um, it's not as citrusy. Um, it is brewed with El Dorado or dry hopped with El Dorado and then um, brewed with uh, local Maryland oats as well. So and where do you oats, get the oats from? Dark Cloud. Nice. Dark Cloud Malt House, which cool. you and Tom went out to at one point. Yeah, we went out, we went out to Dark Cloud Malt House, I think it was this past fall. Yeah. Um, and just kind of checked out their whole operation. So it's a uh, it was fun to you know see where <laughs> the oats were actually coming from. Yeah, totally. Where is that in Maryland? Uh, it's out near Sykesville. Okay. Um, so not too far. Carroll County. There's all this like new mini agriculture for um, you know supporting beer production yeah. with with hops and, and malts and oats and it's such whatever a chain you reaction think. industry. Totally. A snowball industry, but um, to your point, Jess, I think uh, I think having that brew house downstairs allows us to really keep things super fresh. Um, there's a lot of accounts who carry just Green Machine, and um, you and know we'll stick with that. Which one? Which is the first one. Okay, here. cool. Or taste, of course, if you haven't had it before. But I haven't yeah. had it in a while. <laughs> um, but I think here in the tap room, and that's what also provides the experience. Is I mean, that, everyone has to make a beer like this, right? Yeah. But it kind of tastes like. I mean, it's a really, really good IPA. Yeah. It's, you, you need it. It's your most popular, right? It is. It's definitely the most popular. I would say that it is the one that everybody knows us by including you know if you've duck pin or 51 rye or um old oriole park from peabody or right um the multiple breweries around here as well you're just going down the my do call list, sweet baby jesus you, you know about, everybody's yeah. got one heavy yeah. seas loose cannon everybody's got one um and i feel like you do you've got to have something that identifies you, you 
you know. And Green Machine has a good story behind the name, right? Yeah. It's a very beer community centric yeah. story. <laughs> that's what that's what kind of uh, started the cheating scandals at Max's and starts to <laughs> extend the yeah. rules a lot. Um, but the Green Machine was a trike made by Huffy that um, has three wheels on it and has the has a swivel back end, so you really like drift around the turns and get around them a little bit faster. So in 2016, we raced that at the Max's Big Wheel race during Baltimore Beer Week. We won the race, but then we got disqualified. So when this beer was ready to be served, um, we kind of decided to have a good story behind it as well. And um, then So we you got it. disqualified just because of the type of bike, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And is it still sitting up in the brew house? It's actually over at Max's right now. Okay, yeah. I got to get Casey to give that back. <laughs> but no. Um, this is our trike from this year up there right oh, now. Oh, got it. Yeah. Cool. Um, which isn't a green machine, but people always ask, why do you, why do you have a trike why do it's, It leads to a good story, though. <laughs> why do you have a trike that a grown man can't ride, or that shouldn't ride? <laughs> that should there? not ride, yeah, right, but exactly. does, yeah. So yeah, thanks for asking. We, yeah. we do have a good story behind that as well. So um, so green machine, and then Omar's actually my personal favorite. Yeah. Um, that I mean, I haven't tried everything you're making. That's, sure, that's yeah. yep, down here on the end. Um, and I just think... You know, I think pale ales can kind of get lost sometimes in the fold. Um, they're not as, like, exciting necessarily as yeah. an IPA or a New England-style, you know, hazy beer or something. But right. um, like you said, that that it's, it is really round. I think it has a good mouthfeel. And um, that, I don't know. I just think Omar is great. Yeah, I mean, I think the oats softened it nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very it's – a, it's a balanced beer. It's got, you know, a nice, a nice flavor of hops in it, a nice earthy tone from the, from the oats, and then it has, you know – robust hop citrus aroma and flavor very easy um, to drink it's definitely a favorite downstairs yeah <laughs> big favorite around here huge so. so omar based on the character from the wire um was there any like copyright issue with that because i've heard that there's um, not that i'm trying to get you guys into that but um there's some interesting issues about the wire being used in other places and i if didn't david simon michael k williams or <laughs> hbo sent us a cease and desist <laughs> We would certainly have that framed in this room. Yeah, that sure. would actually yeah. be <laughs> cool in itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could join the ranks of Brewer's Art with those cease and desist yeah. letters. Um, I don't know. Ozzy Osbourne sending one out. That's pretty That's incredible. pretty cool. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, I, yeah, but it was. It is named after Omar from mm-hmm. Wire. Um, so if you guys haven't seen that, um, I recommend it. Um, what are you doing with your life, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you live in Baltimore and you haven't seen it? Like, yeah. yeah. You travel places and people are like, oh, The Wire. Yeah, yeah of course. Totally. Yeah. Um, is the process of naming beers as fun as it seems or is it just oh kind of God. random? Zach, is it, you can speak to Or that is it actually, I've heard people, some people hate it. It's honestly challenging. Yeah. I think it's, it's probably more challenging for us because we come out with a new beer almost every two weeks now. So yeah. it's... Uh-huh. It's always something we're thinking about. It's, yeah. you know, you think that you're done naming beers and then two weeks go by and you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta name another beer. Yeah. <laughs> you should so, just start using like magnet poetry or Mad Libs or something. And I don't know. It sometimes just kind of comes together last right. minute, it seems like. Something just seems to kind of hit at the right point. It's always like, you know, something we're talking about or, uh, you know, a song we're listening to or mm-hmm. a show we're watching or. Um, I don't know. You live on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Um, but we actually, what was it? The ruffled feathers. Um, there was a brewery up in New Jersey. Uh, might be Connecticut. Connecticut. That just sent us an email that was like, "Hey, saw you guys having a ruffled feathers IPA. We do too, and we have the copyright on that. Do you mind not using it? You yeah. know, we were like, all right, it's cool. Last keg's about to kick. 
Like, you know, we won't, we won't go ahead and do that again. Um, but I, I think there's like a challenging aspect to the naming and there's also a fun aspect to the naming as well. But it is such a crowded marketplace. I guess you got to kind of Google around and make sure, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I always have to double check, make sure there's uh, kind of no other, um, no other breweries, you know, making sure they're using that name. And, uh, but also to kind of consider, uh, I feel like a lot of the names end up coming from our best customers. Yeah. You know, they come in and they, you know, start saying things about beers or they mention something or they have an idea and suddenly we're, you know, we're, we're naming the beer that because it's something cool. I mean, was, was there a name that, that came that from a customer? That's kind of cool. A name that came from a customer? We Poppy. Poppy, which is a good <laughs> friend and a customer of ours. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ostend Sundays, which is the blonde, which you're drinking. Right yeah. Now. So Ostend Sundays was actually a, um, yeah, that you could probably pop into that one next. Cool. Um, this is a blonde ale with pineapple. So this beer actually originated from when we did our Kickstarter. And there was a group of guys who contributed, I think it was like $700 plus to brew a beer with Tom and Dave oh, cool. and uh, name it and then like have a party for it. So we so brewed this one. This was your Kickstarter when you first opened and then just this just happened recently. So this is the second time we've done this beer. So okay. we brewed this beer last spring with the guys who donated to the Kickstarter. And then we just emailed them again and said, hey, we're going to bring it back. It's a great spring beer. Um, I think it was the most popular beer in the tap room. This, we oh, sold yeah. over 600 pints of it this past. I mean, it's delicious. Yeah. It just needs like a warm day. That's all, <laughs> that's all it needs. 80 degrees on Saturday. Come on there, out. There you yeah. go. There you go. Um, um, no, the pineapple isn't like overly acidic or really tart. It's nice and subtle. Um, it's, that's really nice summer drinking beer yeah that's super easy going yeah that's... people are going to be beating down the doors to keep that one going <laughs> did yeah. it turn out differently this year than it did last year like did you guys try anything new or did you just say it worked let's let's do it again the same way there was a little bit more pineapple added this year okay um i think you teeter that line between like subtle and overdone mm -hmm. um and you always shoot for right in the middle um tom leans a little bit more towards the subtle side um, but Tom's, this Tom's your head brewer, brewmaster. Yeah, right? and he's yeah. our he's the partner as well. Got it. Um, so Tom, he just, I mean, and Dave too, mm -hmm. both have like solid input with it. But yeah, they um, they just added a little bit of a little bit more pineapple this year. No, and, I think it's and perfect. It up, so yeah, because you you see pineapple and you're like, okay, like is this yeah. gonna be? Because yeah, we've all had those fruity beers that can be a little bit over right. the edge. But syrupy. Syrupy, no. just a little too like saccharine sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Good word. But no, it's, it's, this is awesome. This could nice. be a new summer favorite. I, I must have missed it last summer. I don't know yeah. what I was doing. <laughs> um, and then any other one-offs that you guys are really excited about right now that you're working on or thinking about working on? Um, so we have, uh, actually this year has been kind of fun because we're returning to some ones that we really enjoyed. Cool. So that's kind of been a fun thing to get to do this year because, you know, last year was a lot of new. Um, this year's kind of like the fun return um, of some beers. So we have, you know, Cold Taxi coming up uh, that we're releasing at Greener Fest, which I know we're all really excited about. Yeah. Um, it's a Zwickle beer. Unfiltered. Um, unfiltered lager. Um, very traditional in, in kind of the lager aspect, but we definitely dry hopped it with some kind of new age hops to kind of give it a new kind of flair. So old and um, new. A little so you get a little bit of fruity nose because you get that super clean, slightly sweet, subtle body. Awesome. Um, I actually haven't even tried it this year, but super excited for that one to debut. And unfiltered is exciting in itself too. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I think it just keeps a, um, a uniqueness to it as well. And you can definitely taste the difference 
in the unfiltered style versus the filtered. So very cool. Yeah. What's the name of that one again? Cold Taxi. Cold Taxi. Cold Taxi. That so Cold Taxi and Greener Machine will be our Greener Fest. Yeah. Releases. Do you guys want to yeah. talk a little bit about? Is this the second annual Greener second Fest? Annual. Yep. So how did how did that start and what's the deal with it and what can people expect? I think the first one was a conversation in late February of 2017. We just discussed like, hey, we need a festival. Like, we need a we need a way to like really get people attached to the brand out here. And how do we get them here and having a good time and holding them for quite some time during the day and just really having fun with everybody who's showing up instead of just like opening your doors on a Saturday. Right. And I, it would falls on Earth Week or Earth Weekend, um, so that was a perfect. Uh, combination to it and then Tom was like cool I can just brew a double IPA version of the green machine nice um, we called it greener machine so last year it was um, we had a barbecue company out here um, our friends uh, live band uh, we had green greener machine in cans um, oysters uh, and yeah, I think I mean I think the fun thing about it is that it's it's just kind of it's kind of the day for us to just kind of celebrate who we are and we yeah. kind of make it as much of you know what do we enjoy as a team and just share that with everyone. Else. Also, like we made it another year, <laughs> we are surviving. <laughs> another trip around the sun. Yeah, Here exactly. Yes. Yeah, so and what's this, the ABV on the the double? Is that... uh, it's nine point two. Okay. Yeah. So, so, but it does not drink like a nine point two. I can tell you that much. Um, it's a little dangerous. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly tasty when drinking responsibly for sure. Um, and so this year it's the twenty first of April. You said it is the twenty first of April. So we're under two weeks out. We're about eleven days. Twelve days, 12 days out. Uh, the 12 days of Greener Fest. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, no, this year is actually, we've really kicked it up a notch this year. We have learned that um, planning ahead is is super beneficial to us. Who knew? So this year, <laughs> um, Smoke Barbecue, which is the uh, best of Baltimore magazine yes. um, barbecue winner, will be out here alongside El Gringo Tacos. Nice. Um, to really awesome food vendors yeah um we're gonna have ampersand string band and high and wides playing it's like all my favorite stuff yeah. that you're naming tacos so some, bluegrass yep yeah um two draft bars two draft bars yeah two draft bars outside on the patio awesome um the tap room will be op open um i think one of the really defining characteristics of this year's event uh, two things. One, the camera release starts at 11 a.m. So we're going to bring everybody around the side of the building and downstairs oh, cool. um, where you can purchase glassware, koozies, cans. And then we also have like a coat check system where if you're staying for the festival for the day, you can leave your cans at in our cold room. Oh, that's smart. And just come back with your receipt and your ticket and we'll, um, we'll give you the cans back. Yeah, because I always see so many people leaving... Um, can releases with beer to go drink it at home, I guess. And I'm like, but that's not fun if you want them to stay yeah. and hang out. And or like, oh, I got to go put them in my car. And then, so it's a two-way street. Like, yeah. we want to actually be able to hold up quality with it. And uh -huh. we want people to enjoy themselves as well. So it works out two ways. And then the second thing is... Um, our really fun, uh, <laughs> our eating contest this year. Oh, so, shit. What so, is that? Uh, High and Wides plays from 12 to 3, and then Ampersand goes on at 4, uh, 4 to 7. So in that 3 to 4 gap right there, um, we're going to have uh, two El Gringo tacos, a Chaco taco sandwich. Oh, my God. And I haven't thought about one of those in a long time. A chug of cold taxi. So uh, contestant wins. We haven't figured out a prize yet. 
That um, could get. But I'm sure we'll have something good. Interesting. I know. <laughs> the common, yeah. the dairy and beer combination is yeah. what I'm wondering about. I'm personally excited for the chocolate taco, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, I haven't had one of those in, I mean, 20 years probably. Like yeah. that was such a thing for my childhood. It brings a whole new level to the cold taxi aspect. That's right. Probably pretty cold after you. Oh yeah, you, yeah. Ch- you eat an ice cream and then you got to chug a beer. Yeah. yeah. Like your teeth. Hey, but that's what the competition's all about. So who can like enter? Anyone or does it? I think we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna cut it off at like ten people. Okay. Are any um, of you guys doing it? I mean, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I think this eating contest is called Zach's like uh, Sunday night contest or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it, it was me just to, to just to watch me do it. I think. Yeah. Oh my God. Started. Yeah. He was gonna be the solo guy, like <laughs> Bruce and Matilda, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's gonna be so much fun though. Yeah. So, so where do people get tickets? Like, how do they find out? Oh, it's free entry. Okay. Twenty one and over. Uh, we do actually have a kid zone. Oh, um, nice. So kids are obviously not allowed to drink, but mm-hmm. parents feel free to bring them. We're gonna have a bounce house and a um, face painting zone put on by Porter Street Apartments. That's right really next smart. Door. Um, so the whole parking lot out front that you saw when you walked in, and then the whole patio. Um, plus the tap room will be open for festivities. So um, okay. No tickets. Um, however, you know the can sale is first come first serve. Um, you know if we sell out and you're still in line, sorry. Um, but the festival will be going on, and both beers that are in cans are also going to be available um, on draft on as draft. well. Yep. That sounds really exciting. That's yeah. that's so cool. It's really smart to have an area for kids. I know so many of my friends with kids. That's part of the reason they love going to breweries, they feel like there's less judgment if you bring mm-hmm. your family than there would be maybe going to a bar at 1 yeah. p.m. Um, and I also know parents that, you know, of an older generation who are so pissed that now there's this big craft beer scene yeah. and they're like, where was this when I was <laughs> had like my two-year-old? Because um, it's, it it's such a cool community. So right. that's, that's awesome. Do you guys have anything else going on as far as like future can releases you're excited about or future events that you wanted to kind of plug um yeah i mean we're going to be uh re-releasing hot broth again um on may 18th um we're like so focused on uh, greater fest right now that you know we, we haven't don't have all the details kind of finalized yet for that but uh that's definitely coming down um down the road and uh you know we're always trying to make this tapping experience um kind of as you know interesting as we possibly can so we're always coming out with new beers and if you haven't you know seen the patio yet it's definitely um, a place to come have a beer especially when this Hopefully this weather will turn soon and we can uh, truly enjoy that patio to its you know full extent. Yeah, and what's this? We didn't get to talk about this last guy, so I don't want to forget him. Yeah, house coat. Yeah. Um, this is our uh, dry stout that we released around St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Um, so, but it's low ABV session, if you will, four point nine, um, easy drinking stout uh, that doesn't have. There's a, there's a roastiness in there. Yeah. yeah, coffee notes for sure. Um, this was just meant... It's hard. I think it's hard for a brewer to brew a enjoyable, full-bodied, low ABV beer. Yeah. And if you can do that, um, it really expresses the level of talent that you have. And I think Tom and Dave downstairs... Um, really hit it on the head with this one. It would be insanely delicious if it was nitrogenated. Yeah. And it was nitroed. Um, we probably could do that through several iterations downstairs or at least through a couple different loopholes. 
we could make it happen, but for right now, it's just just carbonated. No, but I um, love how it's nice and dry. You know, not every stout has to be super creamy or super. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I think I think it's delicious. But I do. I mean, the nitro thing would be would be cool yeah. down the line. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, and I remember when you made um, what was the coffee beer you made with pfeffercorns? Um, oh, um, so the first year we did it, it was with uh, first year we did it was with pfeffercorns. Yeah. This past year, we did it with Passenger and Order and Chaos. So, as you know, Order and Chaos doesn't roast their own. Right. Um, but Passenger, Pfeffercorns did it the first year. And then the second year, we used Passenger because that's who they were serving yeah. at Order and Chaos at the time. Um, and there's some, that's... Justin and the guys up at Passenger are great guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's always fun to work with outside partners. I think that's something else we've been starting to do a lot more. I mean, we did our Porter this past fall with Gingy's Chocolate. Nice. You know, we did our, our Voss-inspired ale recently, uh, where we kind of, you know, added some uh, bread to a beer. Um, from Atwaters. From Atwaters. Very cool. Um, yep. So it's kind of another fun opportunity to work with um, people outside of beer. Uh, yeah. So that sometimes how we learn a lot of new things. About you want 200 pounds of our stale bread? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. It's on the loading dock. How where, the heck? Take it. Where else <laughs> is it going to be? Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's awesome. And that's such a, like cool part of Baltimore too I think people are really willing to to share their stuff whether it's stale or not you know it's mm -hmm. just about that like collaboration yeah. um no this is this is delicious so for people that want to just stop by what are your sort of your tap room hours and how do people find more info sure um Zach gives tours on the daily at four <laughs> o'clock starting at 6 a.m yeah <laughs> come in before anybody else is here uh, free coffee and donuts no I'm just kidding uh, we are open Wednesday through Sunday. Okay. So Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we open at four and Saturday we open at 12, Sunday we're open at 12. Gotcha. Um, there's some different closing hours on the inside of that. Um, but mainly open Wednesday through Sunday. Um, we don't do tours. Uh, luckily as Jess, you can tell right now, uh, the entire brewery is viewable from the tap room. Yeah. We have two large bay windows. Um, you can see in from around the back of the smokestack and around the front of the smokestack as well. Um, That's what I was going to say. You don't really need a tour. You can kind of just look over yeah, and check out that operation can. and see people, people working. Get, they get giddy when they go down there and they're in between the tanks, which I understand. I mean, you take it for granted because you can do it whenever you want. But, right. Um, most of the time we are in operation on Saturdays downstairs, so we um, we don't tend to do that. And then on Sundays we just try to let the brewery cat Inky be downstairs and just let him be himself. <laughs> I love so. all, there's so many brewery animals. This is yeah. so great. I met a dog named Teague, your dog, yeah. Colin. He's sleeping right under Zach right mm -hmm. now. And then I've met your brewery cat before. So the more of those, the merrier yeah, in my book. Um, well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast and congratulations on all the success and upcoming events and, you know, being such an integral part of the Baltimore beer scene. So sure. cheers. Thanks. Thanks Jess. Bye -bye.